0: Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today... I am joined by author and three-time cancer dancer, Corby Midlide. She's going to tell you all about herself and what three-time cancer dancer means. So, Corby, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, why don't you kind of give the audience a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from and how you got started and all the things that you're working on.
1: All that stuff. Okay. Um, originally I am a Philly girl, actually right across the river in South Jersey, but born in Philly, um, had a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, legal assistant, video producer, graphic novel writer, executive recruiter. But what I've always loved since I was 18 was doing things like tarot and psychic medium and stuff like that. And I started it in 1973, when I was a senior in high school, working at Spencer Gifts, and that's when they had Live and Let Die come out. So they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. And um, five years later, everybody else was moving over to disco balls and roller skates. I kept reading. And so just got my skills better and better, and uh, more, more things happening to me so that when I saw the towers burn on 9-11... I turned to my husband, I said, I need to do this work full time because people need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So that's what I do now, six days a week, clients all over the world, written my own books, been in other ones, all while I have dealt with things like previous divorces, poverty, and three times as a cancer dancer. Now, what's that? I don't say that I fought cancer because what you fight, fights back. And I do not say that I am a cancer survivor because you hear the word survivor and you think about someone hanging on my teeth and toenails. I call myself a cancer dancer because I found out how graceful I could be under pressure. I avoided getting my toes stepped on and I got off the dance floor in one piece and stayed married. So that's what a cancer dancer is. Much more positive attitude.
0: So what does it take to read those card decks is there some kind of training or some kind of special gift that you have to have or how do you read people's future
1: Uh, Kerbal the one thing that I tell people all the time is I'm not special you can do what I do Uh, it's they're a tool just like somebody let's take my husband he's a brass man He plays the tuba, he plays the sousaphone, he plays cornet, he plays trumpet. Those are the things he loves. You you put him in front of a violin and he is not gonna make nice noises. So uh, when you do intuitive work, which is what I do, it's the same thing. I love tarot, I love the stories that the cards tell. I'm also a past life specialist. Somebody else uh, is terrific at numerology and astrology, but you know, for me, One and one is three on alternate Tuesdays. Don't give me anything I have to do with math. So can you learn the meanings of the cards? Well, of course, everybody starts out as a rookie. But the more you work at it, and at this point I read about 1,200 people a year, then it's like going to the gym every day and uh, doing your weights. You can lift more than somebody who just walks in and does it every once in a while. So the key is, to just kind of open up John Holland, the famous psychic medium says, it's not your work. You're the tube that the information comes through. And I don't necessarily do people's fortunes. Like, you know, you're gonna meet a guy with blue eyes and a limp in a bar. What good does that do? I teach people how to ask empowering questions. For instance, if you said, all right, I'm gonna open up a men's clothing store, sharp stuff. Am I going to be successful? I would look at you and say, and what if I said, no, you're gonna lose everything and live in a box under a bridge, wrong question. So I have what I call the entrepreneur spread, a card for you, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location to look for, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. Now you see, I've given you all the tools to put a rocket pack on your back and make it work. Because if you go to a psychic who says, Oh, no, I see it's a terrible business. I'm sorry, but you're going to fail unless you buy their $600 magic candle or they keep you online and you're always spending thousands of dollars with them to lift the block. That's the kind of stuff that gives psychics a bad name. And I warn people away from it. That's why I wrote the book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, so that people could avoid the scam artists.
0: Speaking of your books, let's talk about your books. Tell us all about them and tell us kind of, give us kind of a preview of what we can expect if we purchase.
1: Okay. Well, two of them are about the psychic stuff and one of them is self-help, but let's do the psychic first. The book I was talking about is called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. And I wrote that because There are a lot of people who'd really like to go see a psychic, but they don't want to learn psychic development themselves, but they need to know how to stay safe. So they don't run into someone that says, oh, you have a family curse. And if you don't pay me $3,000, everyone's going to die in a car accident in two weeks. So it teaches you what we can do. We as psychics. It teaches you how to have a good session. Things like accept responsibility for your part in the session, state your intentions clearly, stay open. It tells you when to never have a reading. And, you know, I have other psychics who have read this book and they let, they're in hysterics because we've all gotten it. And this is the person that says, you know, they're walking, does Bruce think about me? And I say, no. Is he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, is he going to think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? No, he's not. Well, if he's not going to call soon, is he going to call later? Notice this person is beating on me until she thinks that I'm going to get exhausted and say, yes, yes, he loves you and wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. And she goes, oh, good. That's not how you go when you work with one of us, friends. You've got to stay open to what is possible. So the book tells you how to ask questions, how not when to get up and run away. One of the things that I talk about is drive-by psychic shootings. Now, what's that? That's like Long Island medium, where you're in a grocery store and somebody walks up to you and says, excuse me, but I'm a medium. And your aunt Dora says your back tire is bald and you're gonna die in a car accident in two weeks if you don't get it fixed. Just telling you and she walks away. Do you know how fake that is? For one thing the reality show people are scouting that grocery store for a month to check and see who might be a good person and then they take a lot of shots and then they make them sign papers if anybody walks up to you and tries to give you a message out of the blue like that you have a right to say no because you don't know them you don't know what the scam is and you don't know if this information is going to be useful And so it's things like that in that book. I teach you how to stay safe. And if you want to come talk to us, how to know you're working with the real deal. Now, the other book is let's say you love what I do and you say, wow, I want to try that too. And so you learn to read cards or you're a palmist, or something like that, or you're going to sell crystals or clothing and you go to these big holistic or spiritual expos. Well, that's how I worked for 18 years. I was on the road so much, people nicknamed me the Travel Channel. But I'm 66 now and I'm tired. So I'm off the road, but I wrote this book to help people in what I call the wiki Boom business to act like a real normal business. Because if you don't know how to run a business correctly, I don't care how good you are. You're never going to make a living doing intuitive or light worker work. So this one, it's the basics. It's how to choose a show, how to dress, how to do your booth, how to use social media, self-care. What do you do when you're not doing shows? That's that. So that's if you want to do the psychic stuff like I do. But the first book I wrote was from a lot of clients that kept coming to me with the same problems over and over and over again. And these are lack of clarity, trying to figure out how to adapt your life, go with the flow, how to simplify, that's life is a tiny house, and how to make friends with stress. So I sat down to write the book, but I realized we all buy self-help books and they're all sitting on the shelf because we read a couple of the pages at Barnes and Noble and it sounds good. And we get it home. We realize they're not talking to me. They don't get me. So the way I wrote this book is each chapter. I tell you some of the dumb things that I did that you can avoid. And then I talk about a client and then I give you some things to think about. But the key is at the end of each of these chapters, You've got what I call the adventure pages, which are questions that are open-ended. In other words, you can't get them wrong because they're based on your experience. So if you read this book and you do all those questions at the end of it, you're going to find your own answers. You're going to design your own toolbox. And you're going to realize that you can heal the old and create the new. And it's fun. It's not a problem. There's really nothing wrong with you and nothing ever was. And that's what most people need to realize. You don't get a self-help book because something's wrong with you. You get it because you want to make your life a little better than it is. Then people are willing to do it and they don't just read the book for a chapter and throw it away. So I'm all over the map with with what I write about, but words are my drug of choice. Words are the thing that I love. So that's why the books are out.
0: So when you had your bouts with cancer, how did that, how were you able to deal with that as well as continue your business and work around that with all the stuff that you had going on at the time?
1: Well, the thing is, I had cancer first in 1989. I was 34. That was lumpectomies and radiation. That was when I was working 60 hours a week for a law, term at a law firm and acting in New York. Second bout was skin cancer from the radiation in 2000. So, you know, they were you know, misshapen and they were scarred, but they were still there. I got married to my husband in 2002. And then in 2004, uh, they looked at my mammogram and they said, you have a second primary. And while that does bring the clock down to zero, three strikes you're out. We're taking the rack and we're also going to cut your... Hormone level to nothing. So you're going to go from this Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks, suck it up. Now I'm normal. I went home and cried. I had no idea, could I stay married? Who was I going to be? You know, I, I bloomed early. But I knew from the work that I had done on myself and the stuff I'd learned at a great place called the Option Institute in Massachusetts that I had to find three reasons to get okay with what was happening because then I could move forward from it. So I said, all right, you don't have them, you can't get cancer there. The top half is not gonna get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year and every single woman listening knows what I'm talking about. Third, implants, okay, I'll be perky till I'm 93. To the point where, When I had the surgery done and it was six hours, double mastectomy and reconstruction, I was out of Massachusetts General Hospital in three days and shopped for a bathing suit in five. Did I lose my figure? Of course I did. Have I aged faster? Well, yes, I do look grandmotherly at 66, but I'm still married. I know who I am without the looks. When you are a beautiful woman, When your looks go and they go fast after cancer, you want to know who will I be? Because you've identified yourself all on one particular way. But I knew that I'd rather be alive, lose the looks and find out who I was going to be on the other side. So that's what I teach other women now. That cancer's not, not only is it not a death sentence, doesn't have to be but you will find out who you are on the other side. It is not you. No, I look very different than I did when my husband married me, but then he looks a little different too. We're in our 60s, we got married in our 40s. But the key is, the more you run towards change, the more likely you are to be able to get through it and control what happens. If you wanna run away from change, then it's going to follow you and trip you up and you don't have control.
0: So you said you did some acting in New York. What kind of acting did you do? Were you a famous actor or what kind of acting was it?
1: Oh, darling, I wish. Um, I was a theater major at Brown University and I went to New York and, you know, that was back when I had the Dolly Parton figure, which unfortunately was so Dolly Parton that I couldn't get cast because I, you know, it's like you stand out in the background. So what I ended up doing a lot of is voiceover work because I've got an unusual voice for a female and I can do character voices and I can do dialects. And you know, there's, there's an old joke, she has a, a face for radio. Well, I had a body for radio. It wasn't going to work well. Maybe it would work well on stage, but not in film. And so I developed a real love for doing podcasts, doing audiobooks, things like that. And it has translated into what I do now, because I do lecture. Things like happiness is a choice, uh, find your sentence of passion. And when I stand up in front of an audience and I talk to them, well, number one, I'm funny. Um, I have a lecture called Psychics 101, The Good, the Bad, and the Cleos that I have turned into stand-up comedy. And I did it at an open mic night. And the people that were there were dumbstruck. They didn't know I could be that funny, but I was. The key is when you get somebody to laugh, they lower their shields, they lower their energies, and you can get the information in that they need to know. So while I was never famous, the acting training I have is still something that really pays off because I know how to stand up in front of an audience and bring them in and get them to want to hear what I have to say. And that's what the best teachers do. Make sure the students want to hear what they have to teach.
0: Absolutely. And I just graduated from broadcasting school last year, Academy for radio and TV broadcasting out of Huntington beach. Yes. Well, let's talk about Cleo. How, how, much of an influence has she been on you and your psychic career, or, or what's your opinion on her? You know, she was well, very popular,
1: she was very popular. But Miss Cleo was Jamaican by way of East Los Angeles, she was one of the original scam artists. And there are a lot of call psychics that will just keep you on the phone for hours and hours and hours. That's what they're told. You have to keep your client on for at least 15 minutes. So do I work on some of those lines? Yes, but I'm very famous for being fast and somebody else might keep you on for 15 minutes and I'll only keep you on for five because we'll get the information down. There is lots of room for good psychic mediums, good readers, good intuitives. I am not one of those that sees another reader as a threat because there are 9 billion people in the world and I can't read them all. We need new people coming in. So one of the things that I make sure people understand is I teach the ethics of being a good reader. And there are certain what I call master commandments that you really need to have if you're going to be a psychic. And some of them are, you have to be the intuitive that you want to consult. And so think about, would you want someone kind? Would you want someone funny? Would you want someone who had a specialty? Then that's how you develop your own skills. You have to accept that you're not in this to be rich and famous. It's really tempting to dream about it. I mean, you've got all the reality people and Lisa Williams and James Van Praa. Um, And yeah, there are famous people in every industry. But the vast majority of us are just everyday working stiffs. And we make a living at what we do. And that's enough. So if you're in this to get famous and make money, you should not come into the business because you'll be taking your clients for a ride. That's why I teach people money is energy. Bad money, bad energy. What's that mean? When a psychic knows that a client is becoming dependent on them and asking for readings too often, but they'll still schedule sessions. When you make up things to keep a client happy when you tell someone that they're cursed and they have to pay you extra for the curse to be removed. Those are all scam things and you don't do them. I remind people that they're just the garden hose. They're the tube that the information comes through. You are God's tool and that's that. I remind people that you can be a mentor but not a guru. Now, let me explain the difference. A mentor is someone who pushes you a little further than you think you can go. Kicks you out of the nest a little before you think you're ready, and then sits in the audience and applauds you when you get an award for being better at what they do than they are. A perfect example is Meryl Streep collecting her Oscar and thanking her drama professor at Yale, okay? That's a mentor. The gurus, are the ones that tell you that you'll never be as good as they are and you'll never be as holy as they are. And you have to sit at their feet and listen and pay them and, and, and. So, you know, it's things like, uh, Esther Hicks and Abraham. All right. There are 72 books out by Abraham and people go on a cruise to hear her say the same thing. That's a guru. That's someone who says, I have the answers. I'm the only one who can channel Abraham. You have to sit and listen to me. That's not going to help you grow. That's certainly not someone you should strive to be as an intuitive consultant, which is just another word for psychic medium. So it is a business, but it requires you to be honest and fair to your clients, not just set up your shingle and making money.
0: So, what advice would you give somebody who's out there looking to be a psychic and do what you do?
1: First thing you got to do is, you know, boot camp. You need to learn to ground, center, and shield. Now, what's that? That's making sure that your energy is steady, that you're not going to pull in nasty things, that if you deal with a bunch of clients that have had really rotten days that you're not dragging their rotten energy home with you. It's basic self-care. As far as stuff like learning to read cards or being an intuitive and direct information, you have to be a little skeptical. You keep a record of what you get. Uh, You might say, all right, today, I was going to go to the store, but something told me to take a different route. And maybe nothing happened, but maybe you find out that just when you were going to be near the store, there was a robbery and somebody was running around with a gun. So that was an example of when your intuition was protecting you. But you have to realize even the best psychics are only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God. And he doesn't have a booth at his psychic fair this year. So don't bring yourself out as I can't be wrong. You have to learn to listen to the message. You have to learn to listen to your client and make sure that you give them options. You don't give them advice. What do I mean by that? When I was a rookie, uh, there was a show I did for the first time, And the promoter, we'll just call her Reverend Crotchety, She said, we're so glad you're here. Let me show you how we do readings. And so she threw out a bunch of cards and she said, I'm so sorry, but your fiance is sleeping with your best friend and siphoning money out of your bank account. Now, at this point, my best friend lived in Thousand Oaks, California, and I lived in Albany, New York, and he didn't even know where I had a bank account. So I knew that she was way off the mark, but then she said, it's all right. I can tell you how to handle it and proceeded to tell me how she took her last three husbands to the cleaners. Obviously she wasn't doing psychic work. She was getting a chance to talk about her lousy marriages and she believed that all guys were awful. That's an example of advice, not real reading. See that difference?
0: Yes, I do see the difference. Do you have any projects that you're working on or coming up that the audience needs to know about?
1: Well, one of the things that I'm doing is I've got a podcast called Tea and Crones. And I'm doing that with my buddy Katrina Rasbold, who is a very well-known bruja, which is um, a, a different kind of witch, not Wiccan. She's out in Shingle Springs, California. So you got your California girl and your New York girl. But we talk every Sunday night about what it takes to be an elder in the 21st century. Uh, The misconceptions that people have, how to keep yourself safe, how to, as you grow older, take your wisdom and share it, which is a big thing. Uh, I am working on my own YouTube channel which has meditations and it has articles on spiritual stuff. And I'm working on the book that's coming out after clean out your life closet. And it's called the big reboot. When, when you clean your closet, what are you going to put back in it? And it's a book that I had planned in 2019 and then coronavirus happened. So the idea of having to reboot your entire life, we're all doing it. So, That's why it's gonna be a good title, but I'm revising the book now to make sure that it will help us as we reformulate our lives after lockdown and quarantine.
0: Let's give out some contact information for you so people can connect with you. Maybe there's people out there that want some readings. Are you on social media? You have a website?
1: Oh, you can't avoid me. (laughs) Yes. The website is corbymitlide.com. You can find me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. And as a matter of fact, this coming Sunday, I'm going to be doing my monthly free readings at 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Corby Mitlide. You can find me on Twitter, Corby Mitlide. You can find me on Pinterest. And if you go to the website, you can sign up for my newsletter, Flight Patterns, which will always tell you what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. So you get it on the ground floor for all the good stuff.
0: Absolutely. And we will be following you and the website will be in the show notes. Is there any final words or any topics that we haven't discussed that you would like to talk about before we go?
1: The thing that I want to remind people is if you're going to go to a psychic Remember, you're the one who's in charge. If it doesn't feel right, feel free to leave. The information is for you to use. If nothing feels right, toss it. Use what you can. But remember, God put us here for free will. I can give you information about the opportunities coming up. And I can say, here are your challenges and here's how to deal with them. But the rest of it is free will and up to you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Corby Midlight. Corby, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Listeners, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.